boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. You made it. Are you curious about streaming? Well, get ready for a cornucopia of streaming news, reviews, and fun. Hi, I'm Hal Rutnick, and sitting across from me on the screen, we're not in the same room, but we are in the same universe. We are in the shared universe. Lon Harris. I refuse to be in the same room with you, so we can't, we can't, for, uh, it would be a lot more convenient to do this in the same room, but I explained to our producers, I was yes. like, I can't, I can't be in the same room with that When man. we initially uh, uh, had our lawyers just go through the contract with a fine-tooth comb uh, via Starburns audio where we started, Lon was like, one caveat. Never the same room. And then at, at Starburst, they were like, well, why? maybe you should just do a podcast with someone you're willing to be in the same room with. And I was like, I don't think so. And Lon slammed his fist on the table. Yeah. And I, I saw all of this via Zoom. Right, because, because we couldn't Lon be in the said, same room. Yeah, yeah, like not even in the negotiations. You didn't want no, to I was set like, a precedent. You can't, you can't equal this kind of chemistry, but also I refuse to sit next to that person. And you know what? Uh, I... Uh, begrudgingly accepted. I'm like, that's fine. You know, you're prone to fits of violence. I mean, oh, I mean, yeah, I will wing a cup across yeah, the room. I'm, I'm scared of you. I'm scared of you. And uh, you know what? The restraining order is not violated when we're on Zoom. Right. It's we could be 500 feet apart, but still interacting on Zoom. That's exactly the point. Exactly. Lon, it's a Saturday afternoon as we record. Wow, don't tell people details about our personal life. I don't like that <laughs> at all. Any, uh, any big weekend plans before we get into the news here? Uh, I do really want to see uh, this Fast X movie. Uh, I have not gotten around to Fed. That, that that give you the, the, the real details about everything. This, that we're shooting at the weekend that Fast X came out, folks. Yes, That's where we're yes. recording this. Uh, I have not gotten to it yet, but I'm very curious. I love those movies. So I'm going to try, maybe tomorrow afternoon, I'm going to try to get out to that one. Oh, yeah. I enjoy the lovely guilty pleasures of the Fast franchise. And I am a completionist, so I, I will have to finish <laughs> yeah. what I started. Let's jump into the news. Da, 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 the news with Lon. So to start off, uh, we got a Wall Street Journal report this week uh, that says Disney is planning to transition ESPN entirely from a cable network into a standalone streaming service. So this wouldn't be. We have ESPN Plus, Hal. Right now, that exists. Sure, so I, I I am subscribed to it. Right, it's kind of a, a supplement to the main ESPN. You get you get some stuff, you get some stuff from the main ESPN channel, but then you also get original things that are just for ESPN Plus. You get it's different. It's not like turning on ESPN on cable. Yeah, there are paywall articles. Uh, <laughs> right. Oh, and you get access to watch some sporting events, etc. Exactly. Uh, so this would not be like that. This would be more akin to exactly the content you'd get from an ESPN cable subscription just as a streaming service. And if you think about, you know, the ESPN 1, 2, 3, there are multiple ESPNs in case there yeah, are ESPN events going ESPNU, the college uh, uh, one. I think they got rid of ESPN Classic, which used to be an interesting... Exactly. So all of that content would sort of live together on ESPN, the streaming service, a combination of, you know, live sports when live events are going on, 
uh, Sports Center when that comes up, but also on demand content, ESPN Films, 30 for 30, all, all that kind of archived stuff, all together on one thing. Well, let me ask you a question, Lon. So you said that ESPN is transitioning their this their channel to become solely a streamer with the eventual well, goal of getting rid of the channel? That's where we're hazy. Uh, so, because, so yeah, far- and if I could just uh, piggyback that with one more comment, because if that's true, it sounds a little bit like a wheezing last gasp from part of the death rattle of cable. Well, that's what I was going to say is, is uh, they're not saying specifically we will stop <clears throat> making ESPN the cable network, but... If you give consumers the opportunity to get ESPN entirely on streaming, the reasons for having a cable subscription continue dwindling every day. Yes. ESPN is one of the very last things that really motivates millions of Americans to keep their cable subscription because there's no exact duplicate for ESPN as a streaming service. If there was... We might see the the end of cable TV, at least the end of cable TV as we currently know it. It's it's there's even financial stuff there. ESPN claims a huge chunk of your monthly cable bill, like six seven dollars mm. of what Americans pay to their cable you know plan every month goes right to ESPN. If you remove that entirely, there may not even be enough money coming into the cable networks to keep them going or the cable operators. So, gotcha. This could really be the beginning of the end. Like we think of cable TV as already like shrinking and it's going away, but it's still a very powerful, it's about 30%. I heard there's a lot of cord cutters out there, Lon. There are, but at the same time, still about 30% of US TV viewing is cable subscriptions, like right off the top. So that's a huge, that's almost, you know, that's that's a third. That's yeah, still a ton of people. And some of that is generational. Like we know that older people tend to prefer cable. Younger people watch more stuff online. So generationally, by the time, you know, Gen Z is old, there won't be any more cable because they just didn't grow up with it and don't care. Lon, are, are Gen Xers still saying, I want my MTV? Honestly, it's, yeah, it's where the boomers are the real holdouts and then us, but it's real, it's mostly, but even if you think in terms of viewing patterns, like there was that whole story about the good doctor, those viral memes, because young people don't know, you know, you know what I'm talking about, Freddie Heimler? Yeah, like he was making the angry face and the other guy was just looking at him, yeah. It's a network show, an ABC show about an autistic surgeon. Yes. And it's been on for years. It's a very popular show among Americans. Millions of Americans watch The Good Doctor every week. But if you're only on streaming platforms, you might not know about it because it's a big ABC network medical drama. Right. That was a good reminder that, yeah, there's there's a lot of Americans that still just watch network shows or cable shows. Those are still the most popular shows. You know, Yellowstone, NCIS. Uh, these are like the, the the most watched shows, way more than shrinking. Is Yellowstone or, a network show? No, cable. It's a Paramount Network cable show. Oh, okay. But it's, it's the most, Yellowstone is the most watched TV show in America, yeah. across all platforms, if you include cable, satellite, and streaming platforms, Yellowstone's number one, NCIS is number two. All the shows we think of as being the big streaming kids are way down the list. Yeah, like Succession is like several rungs. Yeah, Succession, Ted Lasso, like yeah. those are big among niche 
TV-loving critics, groups, and whatever, but mainstream Americans are still mostly watching cable and network TV shows. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's a look ahead at, at, uh, you know, apparently Disney's making these deals right now behind the scenes with leagues or whatever about moving all this content over, but that's, that's, that's the next big death rattle for cable that's coming. Speaking of Disney, they also announced plans to begin removing original content from both the Disney Plus and Hulu platforms starting uh, this next week, May 26th. So by the time you're listening to the show, some of this stuff may already be gone. Uh, for Disney Plus, they're losing Willow, Big Shot, that Turner and Hooch show, The Mighty Ducks Game Changers, and Diary of a Future President, HBO's dropping Why the Last Man, Dollface, The Hot Zone, Maggie, Pistol, and Little Demon. Uh, so unlike those Warner Brothers Discovery cuts when they did this last year, they're not gonna, Disney's not going to get tax breaks or anything for this. They can't say, oops, we made an oopsie with this content. It doesn't work that way. They're just going to save on residuals and licensing fees and like little hosting, you know, like it's a it's sort of a drop in the bucket. They're also maybe planning on licensing some of this content to other platforms. So we might see, you know, why the last man could pop up on Tubi or Pluto TV or something. Right. And that that's a that's the show where there are no men left. Right, that's the. It's based on a graphic novel or comic book And it's book only one series, series one, one season. It left yeah. off on like a big cliffhanger. FX we we can- talked yeah. about that show here. Yeah, we did. FX canceled it after one season. Why the Last Man showrunner Eliza Clark tweeted, you work on something for years, pour your heart and soul in it, as do hundreds of other artists. You make it during a global pandemic, far from home. Then it's canceled before it even has a chance to finish airing. Then it's disappeared. So what a disappointing journey for her to make this show that then gets vanished within less than a year. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, hopefully that will pop up somewhere else. But one season showing up on a, you know, 2B type Roku channel type platform, it's basically buried from from this. Yeah, buried. And who's going to want to embark on that journey when they know it's unfinished, you know, when it's the only show I would recommend embarking on that journey for is Deadwood. That's Three seasons. <laughs> I know. Oh well. I mean, unfinished, unfinished yeah. business. Just p- they did the movie too soon. Yeah, they they came back with the movie. I recommend Deadwood. But anyway, uh, so yeah, it's disappointing. I mean, I guess this sort of thing is going to be inevitable. These streamers aren't making the promise that everything they produce will always be available for all time. But in a world where most of these things don't get released on physical media, it really does feel like some of these shows are just being, you know, disappeared. I saw another tweet from a. Uh, from a lady who wrote an episode or two of Big Shot, that John Stamos, that was the John Stamos show where he's coaching a, a high school girls basketball team, I believe. And like, okay, if you worked on that show, your your work is just, there's no DVDs, there's no Blu-ray. It's not going to play on TV. It's not going to be on the streaming platform that made it. It's just getting memory hold at this point. Yeah, or just passed down uh, around the campfire from generation yeah. to generation as a tall tale. <laughs> Big Shot's going to enter the oral tradition now. There was once an ageless, handsome man. <laughs> flowing black I rocks. Don't, that show, it was like, you know, it was one of those, like, he was a hot shot, uh, you know, division one coach, but then he <clears throat> blew up, he had a temper. You know, it's yep. like that's the and then they got kicked out of the league and he's got to get bust down to go to a high school. Yeah. Reclamation project. Let's see if um, those his uh, young women in ch- uh, that he's in charge of can grow right. and maybe he can grow a little bit, too. But I don't I just it's tough to see John Stamos is like a Bobby Knight, like losing his shit 
Uh, I, I don't see. I don't see it. It feels weird casting to me. He's too nice. You know, maybe you're not giving Stamos enough credit for having range as an actor. Maybe because, like Emilio Estevez, that's his role in in Mighty Ducks. But like, I can yes. believe I can believe Gordon Bombay would be kind of a dick. You know, like Estevez has that. He could draw on that side of. Oh sure, I mean I he's just, got that fiery, uh, you know, Sheen Estevez uh, bloodline. Yeah, line. I'm just like, man, I'm not sure I see it from Stamos. He's a what a what a teddy bear. Uh, you know, like, they're going to let John Stamos coach his Division One NCAA team. Come on. You can't see it from uh, Uncle Jesse, huh? Yeah, they're like, you're you're out of here. He's going to be like, have mercy. They're going to be like, all right, Uncle Jesse. You like, can, can you fire this handsome face? Yeah, he's too, oh. too handsome, too handsome. Uh, speaking at an investor conference on Thursday, Warner Brothers Discovery Chief David Zaslav suggested more. Boo. Oh, we hate Zaslav here. Yeah, I was out there on the picket line. I'm a member wow, of the WGA. Oh wow! Oh wow! Hollywood, huh? Hollywood Rudnick dropped. Yeah, I'm a two union man. SAG and Jeez, WGA. SAG just oh, uh, approved the it. strike, so I am contractually regulated. When you mention David Zaslav, to boo. You're also a member of uh, IATSE, one of the one of the great key grips. One of the also top forklift key certified, grips. forklift certified. <laughs> so, what's the guy's name again? Uh, David Zaslav. Ooh. Yeah, he he says more streaming services from different companies should offer like bundles or package deals. So, like he thinks Max and Disney Plus should come together, and then maybe you get also Peacock on top, whatever. Basically, cable. He just wants to redo cable. But yeah. streaming, you have to pay one big thing, and then you get all the streaming services or whatever. He yeah, said, you get your Peacock, you get your Paramount, Paramount Plus, and you get your right, Screen exactly. Plus. Uh, he <laughs> defunct now. Defunct. <laughs> screen Junkies <laughs> Plus and Quibi are on the like uh, the legacy package. Uh, <laughs> he said that if streamers don't get better about offering unified packages, and I quote, "I think it'll be done to us." Though he didn't elaborate, and I'm not sure who he thinks has the power to force. The consumer to, will get yeah, in there. We're gonna we're take, gonna force. I don't know what we. Yeah, can do they'll take Amazon Prime and they'll take Free V and they'll make it into Prime V. Oh my God, I don't I don't know what he's talking about. But then I never do. Uh, and then speaking of, I don't know what he's talking about. This is a this is a real quote. I'm gonna read this verbatim. Mm -hmm. This is this is a this is how David Zaslav Boo. summed up the current uh, entertainment marketplace. And so you have the rain from the bad advertising market. You got the wind coming in because we all have to build platforms and it's not rational. And all of a sudden you get in a little bit of sleet on the side. It's inclement weather, but we're now on the porch. So there you have it, folks. I mean, I think that- Oh, well that- We're on the uh, porch. Oh, that clarifies everything for me. That is, you can still get a little damp on the porch. You see, the, the down ad market is sort of the lanai, so you're not getting wet, but mm, then, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. then you know, market pressures from the international market, that's that's like a screen door, so you're getting some moisture still Oh, so there is in. a screen uh, on the porch. It's not just a naked porch. Is there a swing? Is there a swing on this porch? Yes, I think I think that the Chinese competitors, Tencent, IQI, those represent the tire swing uh, off the side of the porch. Oh wait, tire swing? That's in the yard. That's not on the porch. You got a little like uh, like a little bench swing on the porch. I don't think there's support for that. I think that the the superstructure pre-existing cable market does not support a uh, porch swing. So you've got the tire swing out in the yard. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Is there a little table with a pitcher of lemonade and some sandwiches on it? I think we've got a low pressure system coming up out of the southeast. 
Uh, and that's going to represent, uh, you know, digital uh, only services, your niche AMC plus services. But then I think you've got a high pressure system that's going to come in from the Rockies. That's a, that's going to sort of create, you know, a storm front that might move in. I feel like uh, by the end of this week, beginning of next week. So look out for that. Bring an umbrella. I just want to talk about resale value. There's a porch. Is there a deck? Is there a newly refinished deck on the back of the house? Well, now you're talking about I, uh, this. This metaphor only applies to front of the house, Hal. I'm sorry. I can't I can't speak to what's going on in the back of the house. I feel like that that really relates more to. I got uh, tel- it. Listen, telecom. I'm Lon. I'm talking about curb appeal. I'm, I want to know about curb appeal. I want to know, is there an above ground pool or is there a beautiful like built in uh, pool in, into the yard is uh, ha- like how many cars in the garage? How many how many beds? How many baths? We'll look it up on Metaphorical Zillow. I think, Metaphorical uh, Zillow. Metaphorical Thank Zillow, you. where for all your metaphors and allegories involving homes, you could go figure out things like square footage and you know how long you'll be in escrow on this metaphor. Uh, you know, lots, lots of important details. I want to see the crown molding. I, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. how much storage space. Never agree to make a home-based metaphor until you have looked at the sconces. Thank you. That's all I'm saying. A beautiful light fixture, or are we talking some fucking Ikea bullshit? Yeah, the Property Brothers were on the side of the stage while he was making this metaphor, just shaking their heads, just so disappointed. Yep. Just like, I don't know, what does, you call you call that a weather-stripping metaphor? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Uh, all right, where, where are I? I have no idea we got so far off. Okay, according to Apple's own figures, TV Plus viewership is hitting an all-time high this year. Oh, Apple says, break out the band. There's cupcakes in the break room. Apple's celebrating. Record viewership in March. They broke their own record in April. And now May, improving even on April's numbers. So Ted Lasso 3, season 3 making a difference. Uh, shrinking that that Bill Lawrence comedy series with Jason Siegel and Harrison Ford was hit. Yes. Uh, and then their limited series, The Last Thing He Told Me with Jennifer Garner, also a breakout hit for Apple. But the big news they're saying is the sci-fi drama Silo, currently uh, number one drama. It, it, according to Nielsen, not just Apple, Silo had the most watched debut weekend of any TV Plus original in history. This is a, Whoa. it's like a noirish sci-fi drama Basically, the idea is it's set in a community. They live in a underground bunker that is shaped like a long silo. It's huge. It's underground. Right. And the people living there have been told they don't know who built this. They have no record. That there's no history of, of how they got there. They've the been told, druids. The druids. <laughs> they've been told there was some sort of environmental calamity. Sure. That that like they can't you can't go outside the world is ruined and despoiled you have to stay here inside this protective bunker the world is too hot or too cold or poisonous or all the above and the rule is if anybody asks if they can leave like if anybody says I want to leave the silo or I want to go outside it's mandatory they have to be kicked out and then they'll die as soon as they get exposed. So you never say it's verboten to say you want to leave or to question the nature of the silo. And then the show becomes, you know, people questioning the nature of the silo and try to figure out why they're all down there. Oh yeah. And then one day we'll find out that the world is perfectly fine and the silo was bullshit. It was a scare tactic yeah. to control the people. They know, obviously that's where your your brain would go. So I think they're, they're doing yeah. a lot in episode one to kind of throw you off to be like it's not going to be just that simple it's not going to be like 
oh, it's actually a nice day outside of the silo and this is all BS. Like they've already kind of made it so that can't be the final twist. There's gotta be at least okay, one, there's okay. gotta be at least one more level. But I think one thing I would say about it too, I would highlight the cast. Rebecca Ferguson stars in it. Tim Robbins is also in there. David Ayelowo is in it. Rashida Jones is in it. A lot of good people are in it. And it's interesting and they, they really built this huge set or whatever. I like it. I think it's it's I, I think I'm only four episodes deep. You know what? I'm in, I'm intrigued. I'm getting a Snowpiercer vibe from yes. what you're describing. Yes. A little bit, a little bit where it's like it really thought out how this Bong like Bong Joon-ho's excellent uh society on a train. Yeah, it really thought Dystopia out like on a train. how would this society function? What would they do all day? What would they tell themselves about? Juan, I've they had are? enough of this motherfucking dystopia on this motherfucking train. There you go. So uh, that that's a uh, that's a breakout hit for Apple. They're 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 very happy about how that one's doing so far. And uh, yeah, good good times for TV Plus. And boy, they could really use it because it does not feel like people are watching TV Plus. At least to me, anecdotally. Oh, Tim Apple is tapping his toes all the way. Anecdotally, to it doesn't feel like there's a lot of people watching Apple TV Plus. Uh, in a change of pace, Disney's going to release the full Marvel series Echo all at once on November 29th. Uh, they for for easy binging. The, the usually these MCU shows go you know week to week episodic style. That's how Loki, which also comes out later this year, that Loki hits in October season two. That's going to be normal episodic week to week, week by week, week by week. Right. So Echo Echo is going to dump all at once. Now this is the one Alaqua Cox reprising the role of Maya Lopez from Hawkeye. It's also going to have Charlie Cox. And Vincent D'Onofrio in their Daredevil roles in this one. It's sort of cool. setting Welcome up back. setting up Daredevil Born Again, which we're going to get on Disney Plus in 2024. Uh, we don't know why they're doing this. Obviously, a lot of people jumped immediately to the, well, they don't think it's very good. They don't think people are going to tune in week to week. They don't want right. to, you know, they, they want to just get it over with, get it out there. I, I'm not sure. I feel like this might be an experiment. Yeah. Maybe some of these... MCU shows should come out all at once. All at once or metting it out week by week. It hits different, Lon. Any thoughts? Do you have any thoughts or cares in regards to that? Do you think it's just apples and oranges? I mean, uh, I think, yeah, there are, I think different shows work differently and, and you don't, I don't think you necessarily need to do every show binge or every show episodic. I think mixing it up makes a lot of sense. And, and a lot of these MCU shows specifically I would have probably preferred Moon Knight all at once. I think I would have preferred yeah. Ms. Marvel all at once. Like some of them would be good to binge. Not all maybe, but some. I, I feel you on that. I also feel one thing you want to th you think about, the discourse around the show, do you, do you want to uh, elongate it or do you want to have it like a concentrated splash? Yeah, I mean, I feel you know? like Andor was a good example of a show that did not immediately take off. People needed a few weeks to sort of find it mm -hmm. and discover it. But by the time it was over, there was a lot of conversation and a lot of people talk about it. It became a very popular show, at least in terms of the chatter, the buzz. Yeah. Uh, and I think there are shows where you're going to want that, but then I think there are other shows where, yeah, I would have really liked spending one weekend and just watching all of Ms. Marvel. I think that probably would have been a better way to enjoy that story, which was kind of just like a long, one big, long movie that you could have just enjoyed all at once. And maybe sure. maybe Echo is like that, and they're just going to test it out. I don't think we need to jump to the most cynical, they're dumping it because they think it's bad explanation. Gotcha. That's all. That's all. I mean, maybe they're dumping it because it's bad, but I don't know. We'll see.
Netflix held its first ever upfront for advertisers this past week, uh, announced they now have around 5 million global monthly active users to their ad-supported platform. Notable that they announced monthly active users and not subscribers. Kind of makes us feel like maybe they don't want to announce the number of subscribers, so we don't know exactly how many people are subscribed, but we know 5 million people around the world are watching free Netflix uh, as of this point. Uh, Probably more like 1 million subscribers in the U.S., according to the numbers we got from the Wall Street Journal. Netflix did say in in markets where the ad tier is an option, 25% of new signups are going to the ad tier. So that's a very promising sign that people like the value and are interested in Netflix with ads. Ooh, I love good value. So the stock took a jump after that. Yeah, if you love good value, Netflix with ads, you know, consider it. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. They also highlighted during the presentation some of the big upcoming content this fall. That includes the final season of The Crown, which will introduce our Prince William and Kate Middleton characters. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. They cast Kate Middleton. Oh, finally. we're not going to get to see a Meghan Markle in the no, crown? No, they're, they're, they're purposefully cutting it off before we get to Harry and Meghan. So oh. It's going to, it's, and it's, we're not even doing, it's, I believe it's going to be, it's like the early Kate, it's like Kate and William meeting and getting married. It's not today. Like, we're not going to go up to present day. No queen consort? I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't watch the crowd, folks. I'm sorry. Uh, we're also going to get Squid Game the Challenge this fall. That's the reality show inspired what about by Squid Game. Squidward the Challenge? Where you just have to operate your own fast food restaurant, but underwater. That's what makes it so challenging. Yes. Uh, let, let's, let's see uh, if you can uh, keep your breath and also serve up those Krabby Patties. I mean, I, I don't think any of us actually want a crab. I, I feel like you'd have to serve real human food, not not seaweed. And <laughs> well, I eat seaweed all the time. All right, listen. at a sushi restaurant, and you ever have an, a nice uh, a nice Boston crab cake, Lon? Are Krabby Patties made of crab? They're called Krabby Patties. Yeah, but I didn't think they were a, a crab meat. Is 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 he? He's eating crab meat down there. Oh uh, yeah. Well, I guess that that's cannibalism for some of those. Characters. Yeah, I don't. I I don't. It's a meatless. Ah, I'm gonna read this to you direct from fandom, making me feel. You're making me feel bad. Like I don't know. The Krabby Patty is the Krusty Krab signature popular food item. It is a meatless hamburger made from seaweed, sea buns, undersea vegetables, condiments, and a patty. The ingredients of the patty itself are purposefully kept secret throughout the entire series, but creator Steven Hillenberg suggests that they're entirely vegetarian. I rest my case. Wow, okay, you know it. You know it, Lon. There's no way SpongeBob's down there eating other fellow creatures of the deep. I refuse to believe it. Yeah, you know, that makes sense that they're herbivores. They're not eating their little friends. He's a sponge. He's not going to eat crabs. <laughs> I'd have a Krabby Patty. I enjoy a nice meatless option. Uh, listen, oh, I wouldn't enjoy a Krabby Patty. I'll have crab. I'm not eating a seaweed bun. What about imitation crab? <laughs> but that's also, that's fish. That's just what, cod or something? Oh, well, look at you. Imitation you- crab is not, I don't know. What did you think that was? That's, uh, I mean, it's, it's just fish. A, a, a facsimile of crab. It's, it's, <laughs> imitation crab is just fish, folks. Also, we got uh, Mike Flanagan's Fall of the House of Usher uh, that's coming this fall. Oh, yes. You, you had uh, uh, Frank. Uh, Frank Langella got fired from it. Frank for, Langella for, got for being a little, being a little touchy. Wandering fingers, yeah, a little yeah. touchy. Both him, man, 
Frank Langella and F. Marie Abraham. Two guys who are yep. so close, so close to the end. All you had to do is just ride this out. You're, you've got this incredible legacy, beloved, iconic actors. You're in your like 80s. Just, just, just ride it. Just go like a few more months without grabbing any ladies' legs, and you're done. They couldn't hold back. They, they, they both pile drive their reputations right at the end. But I will say they, uh, both of those guys handled it differently. <laughs> Frank Langella. He uh, he was defiant till the end. Yeah. And F. Murray Abraham came out and apologized and did a mea culpa. He apologized. Yeah, he did. He did kind of was like, I only ever made joke. Like he did kind of also be like, it, it's, it wasn't actually that bad. But he did, to your point, he was much more conciliatory, much more humble. It yes. was much more of a like, I recognize that I did something bad and I'm sorry. Frank Langella absolutely refused to take any responsibility. He was like, oh, uh, yeah. it's called acting. That was his, that was his basic take. In my day, a, a, a love scene was like jazz between the actors. <laughs> it was really embarrassing. Uh, and then finally, uh, for Netflix, they promoted Nimona. This was a animate, this is oh, an animated no, film. No, no, not, Nimona should be No, no, Nimona, Nimona. With... She's a shape-shifting teen now. She's oh, God. Okay, I thought they were promoting Nimona and that's... That's a scourge no, that is... She's a she's a shape-shifting teen who will be voiced by Chloe Grace Moretz. Uh, this was a... Oh, Blue sure. Sky uh, was working on this back when Fox was still a, a movie studio. So then it got uh, shuffled over to Disney. Disney did not want it. When they bought Fox, they have then sent it over to Netflix. So it's now going to release finally as a Netflix original. Oh, so it's already made. Basically, it was almost done when Disney acquired Fox. But then Disney right. was like, we don't like this. We don't want to release it. We didn't make ah. this. It's not, this was a Fox movie, not a Disney movie. Disney was not interested in it. It was part of that, like, these are things Fox was working on that we're not going to keep working on. But good news for Nimona. It's based on a, a graphic novel. Yeah. Uh, good news for the this project. It managed to find a new home on Netflix. All that's left to do is lick the envelope and put it in the mailbox. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's a metaphor. See, it's like you're on the porch. You've got your lemonade. There's the sleet coming in. Then you're licking the envelope. Right, right. All, so are we talking a, a mid-century modern house, a craftsman, I'm thinking ranch a Victorian style. style? I was picturing ranch style. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Uh, ranch style and you got a porch? Yeah. Okay. Um... Yeah, I'm going to have to see the specs. <laughs> All right, I'll send some blueprints over to Hal. We'll keep going on the news in the meantime. Thank you. According to new research from the nonprofit Tech Transparency Group, YouTube's algorithm recommends firearms videos to kids as young as nine. Uh, the group created a Whoa. bunch of fake YouTube accounts for nine-year-olds uh, and entered in that they liked, you know, first-person shooter games, that kind of stuff. Uh, this prompted YouTube to begin recommending videos about school shootings, tactical gun training, even instructions for altering and customizing your own firearms. So Whoa. some of the accounts, they fully followed all of YouTube's suggestions. You know, YouTube would recommend a video, they would definitely click it. In those cases, they received 382 firearms-related videos in a single month, a rate of 12 per day. Now, the accounts where they didn't click on any of YouTube's recommendations still got 34 gun video recommendations overall during that month. Uh, the same thing happened with accounts uh, simulating 14-year-old users. So nine or 14, it didn't make any difference. They sent them a ton of gun videos. YouTube declined well, to I'm comment. I'm a middle-aged man and I got radicalized by YouTube. Yeah. 
you got even more into Judaism. Just, just yes, like now, I, like I, a real oh, orthodox. Yes. I am radically into the Kabbalah. <laughs> I am. I showed uh, up at Hal's place without a huge black hat on one time, and he hit me. Yes, and and uh, then I took you right down to Fairfax to uh, the Judaism store. Have you heard? Have you heard about that? I've heard that in Israel, if if you look Jewish and you're walking around and you don't have any of the you know the traditional you know like costume on. Yes, the Jewish garb. Like some of the old angry like rabbinical guys will will hit you. Oh yeah, like being Jewish is not enough. You gotta like you gotta walk. You gotta wear. The walk. You're supposed to wear the hat and the the coat. Yeah, they yeah, want they the hat, they want the, you coat, in that, the little yeah. strings They want going you in that the... hat. They really want you in that hat for some reason. I'm not sure. Here's the thing about that, about this fucking hat, folks. I'm gonna, yeah. That's not in the, that hat did not exist in the Bible. That's, no. there, there is no way Yahweh, the Hebrew God, was like, you got to wear this like wide brim. Like that's like a 19th century hat. What the, what the oh, fuck? yeah. What no, the, fuck the, are we the doing? hat's a late arrival. How like could the, God the, the, possibly costumes. require you to wear a hat that's like 200 years old? That's stupid. He, he, yeah, what, what, like, uh, he waited around. Was there, was there an 11th commandment that got uh, left off the uh, tablets? It's 4,000 years BCE, and Yahweh's just like, I really like these hats, but they're not going to be invented for like 6,000 years. So, yeah, all right. between the different sects, of Judaism, Orthodox, uh, reform, conservative reform. Uh, you know, there's also revisionist. Looked, you forgot revisionist, which was oh, big. revisionist, and then I was a reformed Jew in the '90s, but the 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 like progressive revisionist Jews were even more. They were the even more liberal than the reforms. Oh, where it's okay. like I went to a one like a bar mitzvah that was being done by one of these rabbis, and it was like they talk about it like it's a metaphor. Like that's what that's that's the next level below reform is like you stop believing in Judaism. Like that's <laughs> where they're like, listen, these are just stories. This probably didn't happen. There's not a guy named Noah. That's dumb. Like that's what it was. Yeah, like. or like the Red Sea. It was more of a stream. It was mauve. It was really mauve. Uh, it's, a, it's just like, why are we even in a temple? Like, why we could we could do this in our home? You don't need to go if you don't believe in it. You don't need to observe it anymore. That's kind of the thing. Anyway, there it is. Uh, I don't remember we were talking about guns, gun video. Oh, right, because you got oh, yeah, radicalized. I got radicalized. Got radicalized. Into anyway, Judaism. so YouTube, uh, don't let your kids on YouTube. I think that would be until they're like able to think for themselves. I would not. I would not recommend. It. We live in a hor horrific situation of mass shootings. Like I'm, I see them in the news, and I'm like, wait, was this the one that happened last week? Oh no, it's a brand new one. And then when there's a brand new one, there's a new brand new one. It's horrific. That's why they were out there like, oh, we got to stop making these mass shooters celebrities. And like, we can't, We even if we wanted to, we couldn't. There's too many of them. Too damn I can't many. even keep up with the cast of Saturday Night Live. There's like five new people a year. Mass shooters, there's five new ones a week. Yeah, no shit. I, there's no way you could make them all famous. We'd be, you'd have to have like baseball cards with all their names on it. Oh, God. You know, this place is going to hell in a handbasket. ESPN is leaving cable. It's yeah, oh. boy. It's everything that those are the two big terrible. Everybody's getting yeah, shot mass all shootings. The time. And where do I find and then, uh, oh, the worldwide I'm leader? I'm trying to watch the avalanche. <laughs> uh, Showtime announced new reboot plans for both Nurse Jackie and Weeds. So they already have spinoffs in the works for the Elmer. Are people clamoring? Are people clamoring for this? No, no, they're like, not. no, they're not. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead. It's just a way to spend their nut, huh? It's uh, just a way to spend their Paramount, budget. Paramount said their plan for Showtime. They basically fired all of the 
people who used to run creative for Showtime. So the guys who originally greenlit, you know, all these Nurse Jackie and Weeds, they're gone. Fuck them. Right. Uh, And so instead, Paramount's plan for Showtime is they're going to lean into all that valuable Showtime IP that we all know and love. So they've already got new versions of The L Word, Billions, and Dexter in the works. Now, we already had... We had a Dexter spinoff. We had an L Word spinoff. These are yes. even more. We're doing new takes on that. I guess they they must have gotten some uh, some numbers that were pleasing from those spinoffs. I mean, from I, the, or from yeah. The well, the Dexter spinoff did really well, but I, I don't I, I don't know if Showtime has the 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 depth of library here. I mean, we're already between these shows: L Word, Billions, Dexter, Nurse Jackie, and Weeds. Can you think of another Showtime show you'd want to bring back? They're kind of. They're I mean, no, but I, mean, I like the current, run out. I, I like the current Showtime show, Yellow Jackets. I'm sure uh, they're already thinking about once Yellow Jackets winds up, what's the next, you know, what's the next Yellow Jackets? Who do we spend? Does Misty get her own show? I'm sure they're already thinking about that. Right, right. But, uh, yeah. Seems like this plan is going to run into the ground pretty soon because they're just not that many Showtime viable franchises you're gonna have to make new shows at some point when you really think about it they're just dipping into the most familiar playbook in hollywood old i dusting off old ips yeah but i think part of that is they've got to be ips that still have like heat you know like they've, they've got to be ips where there's still built-in strong interest and even though nurse jackie weeds well liked shows when they were on I don't, I don't know. And the, the Weeds one is interesting. It's gonna, it's made by Danish producers, and it's going to have mm-hmm. Mary Louise Parker's in it, but it's going to have her character moves to Copenhagen. So it's going to be a very different show, obviously. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, maybe that's the plan, is like we can get people hooked by saying it's a new Weeds, but it's actually this very different show about an American lady living in Copenhagen. Oh, get uh, Nicholas Winding Refn on board, and you can have uh, <laughs> Weeds meets Copenhagen Cowboy. Uh, no, I, I, it's uh, Rita. It's the team that made a Danish show called Rita that I have not seen. They're, they're going to make the new... The Meter Maid? No, that's a lovely Rita. This is okay. just Rita. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm assuming there's more than one Rita. So anyway, there you go. Showtime. That's what's happening. Uh, according to the real U.S. ambassador to the U.K., Jane D. Hartley, Netflix's soap opera The Diplomat has become very popular in high-level political circles. Ah, uh, yes, told, Kerry Russell. Yeah, she told the New York Times this week that she's been constantly asked by colleagues about the show, its accuracy, did she consult on it, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so, uh, anecdotal evidence that a lot of people in U.S. government are enjoying The Diplomat. Uh, nearly 60 million hours viewed in each of its first two weeks, so it's been a hit for Netflix, and it's already been renewed for season two. Oh, yes. Uh, around the halls of the Pentagon, over on Capitol Hill, they are just buzzing at various water coolers over the goings-on on the diplomat. They love shows about themselves because I remember House of Cards had another article like this where it's like, everybody in Washington loves how they don't think it's that realistic, but they love it. Like, so it's just, it is kind of an ego thing. I think I think people in Washington watch any political drama show because it makes them feel like they're, like they're doing stuff, you know? They're on the inside. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Maybe not succession. That one might be a downer for them. Uh, Last news item, Amazon signed a multi-year deal with the Professional Pickleball Association to stream Uh. four tourneys a year. Uh, Coverage kicked off this week with the Atlanta Pickleball Open from Peachtree Corners, Georgia. 
PPA events also air on ABC, Fox, CBS. They stream on YouTube. ESPN recently signed a deal to cover some. Pickleball is everywhere. Everywhere. Lon, have you ever have you ever swung the racket? No, have you ever I, played a pickleball? No, game? I would. I have not, and and would not. And it also doesn't strike me as as something Americans are going to embrace watching on TV. It just feels like maybe it's fun. To, I'm, I'm sure it's fun to play. I'm not. Well, as an activity, I I have no doubt that people enjoy it. But are we going to have big yeah, pickleball I've fans? I've, I've I've played pickleball a few times and. I, I wonder if people will like it because it's something they can do and they can see themselves up there on the screen. So it's relatable. But that's, isn't that every sport? I mean, you can go play basketball or golf or like, I, I don't know if, maybe not Olympic events. I feel like those are the only ones where sure, but I'm, if I was like, you know, you know I'd really love to try the crowd. luge. I don't know where I could go try the luge. But if I want to play badminton, I know, you know, that's not that hard to do. But, you know, you just put up one of those weird, weird high nets with the it's thin, but it's it's high. It, badminton never really caught on. The pickleball is having this uh, moment that's been going on. I yeah, I don't I mean, I agree with you. I don't know how many people are going to watch it. But, yeah, because it's, uh, it's, like, it's, it's like that, you know, it's like racquetball. Like that's a that's a, like a guy's going to the gym, going to play racquetball kind of thing. But it's not on TV because fucking boring. But it is in so many TV shows and movies you, yeah, you cut to. Yeah, like You that always have huge, that cut to man, and they're in a racquetball court. The 80s and 90s especially. Yes. They re- man, that was a huge trope in the 90s. Anytime two colleagues, two male colleagues have to have a, have to have a confab about something, they're out there on the on the squash court. Uh, they're, they're, there it they're, is. They're hitting there the racquetball. Is. What a dumb. It's because as a screenwriter, a lot of the time you just need a scene where two people sort of hash something out or explain something. But you can't ever just have them, like, stand and, and just talk. That's boring. You have to come up right. with, well, what are they doing? They're having this conversation, but what are they doing? So Aaron Sorkin. They're Sork- at a batting cage. Right. So Aaron Sorkin, that's a, that's a big one, too. So Aaron Sorkin's always got the walk and talk. That's his solution. It's like, yep. well, they're, they've just got, they're on their way to their next meeting. They've got files. They're walking down a hallway and we're following them, which is a good, that's a really clever one. But, uh. Yeah, so racquetball is a good, like, ah, this lawyer's got to talk to the judge, but I can't just have them sitting in the judge's chambers. Oh, they play racquetball on Saturdays. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, that's it. That's all for the news, Hal. Oh, very good. Very good. Uh, A cornucopia, just a a full slate of news there. That's twice you've used the word cornucopia on to this week's show. Oh, my God. I need to stop. Uh, Travis, edit one of those cornucopias out, please. (laughs) I don't think it's offensive. Uh, coming up, we uh, we watched four things this week, and we will talk about them. Binging the fuck out of shit. Lon. How? New to streaming is Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, no. It's available on Dungeons Paramount+. Dungeons and Dragons, Plus. colon, Honor Among Thieves. Get it right. Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among go. Thieves. And uh, I had heard a lot of good word of mouth. I did not see it in the theaters, so I was glad uh, it was available on Paramount Plus, which I think I actually might have two accounts for. Does that ever happen to you? You sign up and then you forget that you have that you signed up. Well, when you go back, well, you're not already signed in. Wife. It happens between me and my wife. I don't know. I because I was trying to get into Paramount Plus and I couldn't find it. And the listen, I don't need to tell people about my App Store experience. But I watched yes. Dungeons and Dragons, and first off, what does it, why did it have to be two hours and fourteen minutes? 
Really? I mean, I mean, Too you long. know, I, I, I get, they wanted it to feel epic. It's supposed to feel like a whole campaign. You know, there's ups and downs in a in a campaign. You it can't just be a a straight line. Lon, I'll, I'll just say this: I saw the blueprint or the fingerprints of all of the other fantastical uh, series and IPs and shows. Uh, th- there was there were elements of Lord of the Rings in there. There are elements of Game of Thrones in there, and there were elements of even Harry Potter in there. I I felt like, you know, as unique as it is, like we're seeing the the first Dungeons and Dragons incarnation in a while. There have been other ones. It it also felt very familiar and uh, somewhat derivative at the same time. I think people said this about Dune as well. Remember where they were like, oh, it's another like sci-fi in the desert thing. But it's like, yes, but all the other sci-fi in the desert is actually ripping this story off. Like George Lucas got the ideas for Tatooine from Dune, not the other way around. And I think obviously Lord of the Rings predates Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, Tolkien. But other than that, I think a lot of modern fantasy and the ideas that we've seen coming up in modern fantasy directly come from Dungeons and Dragons. And even like Stranger Things obviously owes a huge debt to Dungeons and Dragons. And so much of of how we, we think about fantasy stories, because fantasy stories are now being written by people who, when they were kids, like me, played Dungeons and Dragons. So I think it's sort of unfair to knock that, like... They have to do Dungeons and Dragons. It's the D and D movie, and there's no way to do Dungeons and Dragons in a way right. that doesn't fami- feel familiar to you, a person raised in a world where Dungeons and Dragons was a huge influence on everything. You see what I'm saying? Like, like yes, yes. I can see what, and I can see even like Willow. Like, yes, there are tropes that pop up in like Willow that are that are reminiscent of this, but like, but that when they made Willow, they were in a world post Dungeons and Dragons world, like. The Forgotten Realms setting that this takes place in is very influential to other fantasy franchises. It makes sense. Like the cast of characters that you assemble to go on your uh, adventures and journeys yeah. in other fantastical and other fantasy uh, fair uh, are derivative or are taken from Dungeons and Dragons. So many of the creatures that we right, see. Right, and the magical items and just the way the adventures happen like the oh you're in a tavern you meet this guy it's a map it's going here you got to get this item you got to go there like all that is directly from the game it's that's what you've got to adapt that's the challenge here that makes sense here's here's one here's a weird uh take uh i didn't dislike this movie i thought there was a, a a lot of the characters were likable and there were plenty of fun elements in it but you mentioned Stranger Things. I almost feel like Stranger Things is more of a true, uh, a, a true to Dungeons and Dragons exploration because you have you flash back to you have them oh, playing. Are you serious? Games. You, you wanted them. that? Oh my god! That, I'm, I was so thankful they didn't do that. Like the cut back to like Will Ferrell at the table, like oh, you killed my paladin, like. So some sort of nod, cheesy. some sort of tip of the cap. Hal, I'm, I'm infuriated with you now. That's exactly the dumb trope. Good, I'm good. glad they didn't. Yeah, do. I don't know if you use it as no, just a that's framing so device. You don't need it because or... this movie it feels like that without having to see that. Like characters come in and they give you their whole backstory and they tell you what would be on their character sheet, and it does feel like seeing a Dungeons and Dragons game come to life. 
but without the needing to hold your, what you're pitching is the 2023 hand-holding, everybody's an idiot, we gotta tell them exactly what we're doing, like, ah, just like a real Dungeons and Dragons game, right? And then you'd have a character make like a 20-sided die joke and like. The only reason I'm bringing that up is because back to my first point, it felt a little generic, like it was a mishmash of all of these other uh, tropes and things that we've seen. Like you see the map that is like, okay, uh, yeah, that's how Game of Thrones starts, great. You, uh, you, you see the creatures that are reminiscent of so many creatures we've seen brought to life on film. Even though it was first to the party, it's last to the party when it comes to actually making, when turning this into uh, media. Game of Thrones isn't a, like, you're like, it, it, it has maps in it, like Game of Thrones, so it's reductive. Like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe you just, it's okay to not like things. I'm not saying that, but I like I don't I don't know what to go on here. Like like yeah, there are maps in it. You could couldn't really do a D&D movie without a map. That's part of the thing. You got to here's we're on a mission. Sure, we got to sure. go here. You have to have creatures. You have to have magical items. You know, like that's just the game. Right. Like I don't I I feel like it, to make the movie you want, it would be not Dungeons and Dragons. And so sure, you could just uh, you know, maybe this was just the wrong the, the wrong movie for you. Yeah, I, I just, listen, I, I didn't dislike uh. it, but I just felt like it was reminiscent of so many, yeah, many fantasy elements. Also, the, the, like, there wasn't much character development. It's it's not, you know, it's not groundbreaking. It's not setting any new worlds on fire. Like, it's not the most innovative movie in the world, but we've seen so many, like, hybrid comedy, adventure, heist things that to see one that has personality and that is clever and that does sort of like pay homage to the origin, but in a, in a lighter way without constantly like, it's not elbowing you in the ribs every two minutes with like references, am I right? You know how the reference with the reference? And like, I found that really refreshing. So I, I enjoyed it. I'm not saying it's the best movie of the year, but I, I, I clearly liked it a lot more than you did. For, for all the questions I'm asking and, uh, and, uh, you know, differences of opinion with Lon, uh, I thought it was uh, an enjoyable romp. Uh, Hugh Grant is a, is a fun cad. Uh, Chris Pine is a lovable scoundrel uh, uh, slash uh, protagonist. Uh, I love me some Michelle Rodriguez. So, yeah, there's, um, it, it, it's watchable, if not overlong and derivative. Well, there you go. And it's available right now on Paramount Plus. We also watched Jury Duty on Amazon Freebie. Uh, you know, I'm not uh, finished with this, but I, I'm going to return to it. Absolutely. And uh, I, I really, I, I, enjoy, I enjoyed the comedy of Jury Duty. So just the conceit here of Jury Duty. Um, a bunch of actors improvisers, comedians, etc., are hired to um, make a fake trial and a fake jury selection process, except for one actual guy who's not in on the joke, who's not in on the conceit. And hilarity ensues. It's a very fun premise. It's, uh, you know, this guy is enlisted to be a potential juror under the guise of they're making a documentary about the legal system. And he's the only one not in on the joke that it's actually just a show from Amazon, Amazon Freebie. 
And uh, Joe Schmo, if you remember Joe Schmo, it's that, but but specifically in a courtroom setting. But it's the same. It's like the one dope doesn't know that it's a fake show, and everybody else is just riffing and improvising. Exactly, and it's it definitely you know feels like uh, you know it, it's I think it's really well done. We, we uh, it has like a lot of you know it's got like a Nathan for you kind of vibe to it or uh, slash the yeah, rehearsal a little I, bit. I I, I'm, I agree with everything you're saying. It's fun. Yes. I enjoyed it. I really think they cast it very well. Like the people who are in the jury with this one guy who doesn't realize it are all funny actors who are doing small, like good, subtle things. They, they don't feel like they're overdoing it, you know? Like, And if I could, if I could uh, just uh, jump in and say one of the women on the jury, she's yes. an older lady with red asleep. hair, um, uh-huh. Sue Berger. Uh, she, uh, I did improv with her literally like 15, 20 years ago. Wow. She's very funny. Uh, Kirk Fox also is a yeah. I would have recognized him. Yeah. Kirk Fox. Uh, he's on, uh, reservation dogs as well. Yeah. He's on, he's on a, but he's been on like Reno 911. I remember like he's, he's been a character actor for yeah. many years. Um, so it, this show would not have worked on me because the moment he shows up, I'd have been like, that's actor. You're too savvy. I, yeah. I wouldn't, it wouldn't work on me, but. Uh, very funny. He's doing a lot of really, like, really subtle stuff. But that, it, it, going along with, they're making it really subtle so that it fools this guy. Like, they're they're doing a very good job of keeping this guy in the dark, and he thinks he's in a real jury. But that does mean that I don't, I, it doesn't ever reach the heights of, like, a Nathan for you or the rehearsal. I'm not all the way through either. I'm halfway through. And after four episodes, mm-hmm. it's consistently, like, amusing. But it's not, it's rarely laugh out loud funny. Like it's more, yeah. it's more genial and enjoyable than it is hysterical. Yeah, you know what? I, I, w- I would agree with that. Like I don't, I'm not like, oh, gotta get right. more of that. It's like amusing. Uh, but I, I am like, oh, you know, this this is fun. But I do find myself at, at times being like, wait, he can't tell that this woman is kind of, uh, I mean, a little he can, fakey, he can tell, a little I feel like, like by episode three or four, he starts, it starts to dawn on him that like, this is not a normal jury. Like these people are particularly weird. I've somehow found myself with this group of oddballs. And I think that maybe even he's like, well, this crew that's filming us, did they purposefully put us all together because these people are oddballs? But I don't think he ever gets to the point of like, I'm on a fake reality show. Like this is all for the camera. Right, right. Um, can we give away uh, who the uh, the special star of it is, or should we? It's, it's out oh, there. Oh, I think yeah, he's in he's in the marketing. Like James Marsden yeah. is is playing himself. Like he's all the other actors are playing characters, but James Marsden is like the movie star. James Marsden has been stuck on this jury. Yeah, he's been summoned for jury duty, and he's been trying to finagle, trying to get his agents or his people. Yeah. Because he's pretending to have Tarantino after him for a new movie role. And so he's desperate to get off this right. jury so he can go shoot Long Shot, I think it's called. The Tarantino yeah, movie. Yeah. Uh, anyway. I love his, like that he's in this. I think it's just a, uh, uh, it adds so much to it. And then he's willing to, to be self-effacing. Like he's playing himself as an egomaniacal shit, you know? Yeah, play on those diva actor tropes. Um, so- I, I think it's absolutely worth watching, but I would I would agree with uh, Lon. Um, you know, other you know kind of you know fake prank scenario type shows or movies like this 
Like, it's not as funny as, you know, a Borat or a Bad Trip or something like that. I mean, the rehearsal was so, like, the rehearsal just built, every episode built to these huge jokes and reveals, and this isn't doing, by design, this isn't doing that. This is more of a genial, like, almost like workplace comedy, but you know, with this mockumentary twist on it. Yeah, so well done, but I agree. The the rehearsal is next level because of the emotional heights that it reaches by the end. Uh, This show, um, a delightful trifle. Watch it. You, uh, I don't think you'll regret it. uh, Did you notice that the the man playing the judge, his last name is Barinholtz? It's like Dave Barinholtz. Do you think that's Ike Barinholtz's dad? (laughs) They spell their last names Mm. the same. Uh, I I haven't looked it you up, know but what? That I, yeah, I feel like I don't even know if uh, if Ike Barinholtz has a yeah. has a dad, but well, I mean, has a living dad who's a comedian. I mean, I'm sure he was born with a father, right? Yeah, I'm right. Alan Alan Barinholtz is this actor's name. Hang on, yeah, it is. This is yes. Ike Barinholtz's dad is Alan Barinholtz of uh, Jury Duty. I'm correct. So is Alan Barinholtz. A nepo parent? Ooh, great question. That I don't. Instead of being a nepo baby. Well, uh, Lon, thank you for looking that up. Uh, so, jury. He is a nepo daddy. In fact, Hollywood Reporter nepo has daddy. an article about him. Meet Amazon Freebie's nepo daddy judge. He is not. He's not an actor. Whoa. He's an attorney from Chicago. He did acting That's in funny. college, I guess, and then they just convinced him, like, you know, you've got some background. You should play our judge. So there you go. Nepo daddy. <laughs> He's a nep- that nepo daddy. Alan Barinholtz plays Judge Alan Rosen in, in the show. He's good. He's very, it's very believable. You never doubt. I've been in a jury and that is exactly what the judge is like. Can you tell it? What was the, what was your jury? Uh, what was the crime? Uh, it was, I can't tell. I can't because it's over now and I won't use any names or anything. Uh, it was, so this, these two guys, uh, gang members, they broke into the apartment of a rival gang member. Yes. Uh, he, the the rival gang member and his girlfriend were in bed at the time. So these two gang members, or three, it might've been three, they came in and they just sprayed okay. the room, they just fired guns into the room, into the bedroom, sprayed it down with guns, and then ran. Neither person in the bed died, they, they like missed. So it was an attempted murder case because nobody died. Uh, so oh, wow. when I first went in, there were, I think it was, there were three defendants. And then even by the end, as I didn't get through jury selection, I'll tell you the story, but I didn't get through jury selection. But even by the time I was dismissed, uh-huh. there was only one defendant. So the defendants kept t- accepting plea deals and turning on their co-shooters. So there may not have even a- ended up being a trial. I never found out what happened, but I bet all three of the guys eventually just pled guilty because they were caught dead to rights. Like everybody knew that they were the ones who went into this. You know, they shot at two people and people saw them, I guess. Anyway. Yeah. I didn't get impaneled because they brought me in and you know, they're, they're, they bring you in, they put you, I made it to voir dire, that part that's in the show, where they put you in the jury and then the lawyers come up and ask you questions where they're doing, you know, their jury selection. Yes. So the, the prosecutor mm-hmm. came out and she asked, if a police officer came up and offered testimony, would you be more likely to believe them than a regular average non-police officer person as likely or less likely to believe? And I said, much less likely to believe them. And the prosecutor said, why? Get this guy out of here. We don't want him on our jury. The prosecutor said, well, obviously the prosecution's case was gonna be largely dependent on cop testimony. And the prosecutor said, why? And I said, well, if a regular person off the street, if you bring them into court and say, what did you see? They're just gonna tell you what they saw. They have no reason to lie. If a cop 
comes up, they're gonna they've worked out their story with their colleagues. There it is. They they figured out what the narrative is. So you're just gonna hear the official story, not just what this cop saw. And they were like, "Thank you very much." And then I was the very first juror who was dismissed. Uh, so, yeah, because they, they there's a blue. Well, coat I think of right, silence. but I think yeah, the prosecution obviously was the prosecution obviously was going to be totally relying on trusting cops. Like cops were going to be like, "That guy did it," and so if I don't trust cops, I wasn't going to convict the guy. So they had to get me out of there. If you'd like to hear more jury stories from Juan that's Harris, my only one. sign up that's for my our Patreon. Jury Duty is available on Amazon Freebie. You know, we talked about an, a feature film already. Let's talk about another feature film that hit the theaters and is now available on Amazon Prime. I'm talking about the Ben Affleck-directed Air, the story of how Michael Jordan came to Nike and created the iconic Air Jordan silhouette. It's not that. I would have loved to see that story. It's it's the story of a guy who had a bunch of meetings about how he thought a shoe based on Michael Jordan might be a good idea. Yes. It's uh, literally long. meetings the movie, uh, starring meetings. meetings the, Me movie. the meetings are more important than, we don't really learn anything about any of the people, the characters, very little context about anything really focused in on these meetings. They are they are laser focused on the meetings. Oh yeah. How are we going to sell these top draft picks on our shoe brand on our company? It's an ode to capitalism. It's an ode It's an ode to like middle management. Even an ode to capitalism I might have enjoyed more. It's an ode to like guys who have those jobs where you just do In this era in the 80s it was phone calls and meetings. In our era Really, more yes. emails and meetings. Uh -huh. But it's 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 that it's like it's like cubicle jockeys. Finally, there's a movie for you that's just about <laughs> like, well, if you're gonna yeah. go to lunch, be back by one thirty because we got we've got that sit down with the new client. You know, Lon, I'm a bit of a sneakerhead, and there's a lot that I enjoyed in this movie, and some of the performances are pretty good. I like Viola Davis quite a bit. Well, I think if there's one character in the movie that the movie should have been about that character, not the fucking bland dickhead it's about. Matt Damon as executive number three. Uh, who gives a fuck about that idiot? Uh, I mean, the real life Sonny Vaccaro. <laughs> Sonny I'm sure Vaccaro. he was a nice man. It's nothing against him personally. He doesn't have anything to do in this story. But, you know, he if he was the guy that that was like, um, let's, uh, let's go all in on MJ, you know, prophetic dude. Is... A guy who's good at watching basketball and being like, that guy's very good. Is that good enough to be the hero of a movie? I don't know. Maybe. It's a real world skill. I don't know if I want to make a movie about it. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, uh, it, 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 it did launch the, the most successful sneaker of all oh time. Oh, my God. And not just sneaker. Wow, the most but, successful sneaker. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. Like, then why make a, why make a story about what? anything? Why make a story about like you said, oh my God! Why make a story about sneaker? anything? Why really? make Ford versus Ferrari? Why make? Well, but Ford versus Ferrari is about a fucking car race. A car race. You're saying why make a movie about a car race if you're not going to make a movie about a guy who had meetings where he was like, hey, why don't we make this guy the sponsor of the shoe instead of this guy? That's all he did. I'm I'm saying it's a worthwhile story to tell. Is it? I don't think it is. I think yes. 
the decision by Michael Jordan's mother, I'm going to take control of this process. I'm, I, I figured yes. out that my son is a not just good basketball player, but a once in a generation legendary basketball player in the making. Somehow I put this together. I'm going to figure out myself as just a as a non-professional. I'm, I'm not a sports agent. I don't do marketing. I'm just a mom. I'm going to single-handedly yep. figure out how to represent my son and get the best the best deal in the history of sports marketing for my son. That's an interesting story. That's way more interesting than, oh, I watched a bunch of these basketball players, and I think that one is the best. But it's only interesting because her son went on to achieve greatness never seen before. Totally. And I think that's part of the story. Like, you don't end the story before the greatness yeah. has been achieved. Fucking boring. But I think I would even say, hang on, one other guy that I thought had an interesting story that the movie doesn't take him seriously. And that's the designer of the Air Jordan. He he has a line yeah, of dialogue. He, was, he has one line of dialogue where he says, you know, basketball shoes have been something of an obsession for me my whole life. I want to hear more about that. He's the guy who actually figured out what it should look like and designed it and came up. The logo we treat as an afterthought. That's over the credits. They're like, oh, by the way, this guy also designed the logo. That's the fucking story. Way more than the fucking meetings. Who's that guy? Where did he come from? What did he do that made the Air Jordan the Air Jordan? All we learn about it is the fucking colors. I'm sure there's more to it than that. That's what I mean. This movie is like, there's tons of little details and little things that you could explore that maybe are an interesting story. The story they're telling us is a fucking boring story. I don't give a fuck, man. Well, I didn't dislike it the way you did, but I, I do think this is an imperfect film. And it it's because it, it felt a little by the numbers to me. It was like, oh, the Hollywood story of, oh, this guy's down on his luck. Is oh, he down on finished. his luck? Wait, I don't even think he's hope. down on his luck. Well, he, his boss uh, is he, mad he at was, him. It was a make or break <laughs> thing. But and the thing, especially that bothered me about this film was the force feeding of like like a duck whose liver they're trying to fatten. It's like they stuck the hose down our the nostalgia hose and the music, the soundtrack, every cue, every change of a scene. It was like, oh my god, like. Forcing a hit song. Couldn't agree like the more. amount of music licensing that went into this film to manipulate you. It's so manipulative, the soundtrack. And no song is like well chosen. It's literally, it's literally no. like he printed out the Billboard Top 30 of 1984 and then just like randomly starts playing them over scenes. It's so hacky. I could I couldn't agree more. It absolutely like Nostalgia. None of form. the bring 1984 to life stuff actually plays that well, I don't think. I, I never really got a sense of like being really realistically taken back in time to the 80s. It's all just very perfunctory. Yeah, like like Ben Affleck is having fun wearing the this eccentric Phil Knight garb, uh, Phil Knight the head of Nike. That bugged me too. That bugged me too. At the the first half of the movie, they're kind of playing Phil Knight like a blowhard, like an arrogant sort of yeah. dumbass. And I and I enjoyed that. I was like, well, this is bold. Obviously, they know Phil Knight is going to watch this movie, and Ben Affleck is just playing him like. Yeah. But then they, but then they sell it out at the end. They soften him. By the end, Phil Knight gets to be the hero. He's the down to earth, barefoot billionaire, and it's like, fuck. Yeah. That was the moment where I was really like. 
fuck this movie. It not only excuse, it not only rationalizes the sweatshop labor, but make make it Phil Knight the hero. Like fuck, man, fuck this. We should also get a part two where it's uh, Phil Knight funding box trolls for his son. I want to see that. Where's that behind the scenes? Ah, I didn't even realize that. I, I remember box. Oh trolls. yeah, Travis Knight of Leica Studios is Phil Knight's son. Oh, that's funny. That's really Bumblebee funny. director Travis Knight, folks. You know, I enjoyed the film, but uh, it's 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 flawed, and it is like this this. Uh, it doesn't realize it's almost drunk on its own history and it's like too self-congratulatory because as as Lon was saying, these guys are breaking their arms, patting themselves on the back for making the meeting to make lots of money. We did it. We got the, we we got the man. Yeah, the big end is like we shine Jordan. We're all rich now. Yay! And it's like, ah, fuck all of you. Yeah. Fuck every so, person. But as a sneakerhead and as a basketball fan, there's uh I was just I was interested and I like so I enjoyed it, but it was just shoehorned nostalgia. I, I'm not a big like NBA hoop fan in real life, but I like a lot of basketball sure. movies. Like I, I basketball to me is the Obviously most exciting and cinematic sport. Hustle from last year was excellent. I was a big fan of Hustle from last year. Even like uncut gems, like stories that are about the world of basketball. I'm very interested in that stuff. Perfectly capable of enjoying a movie about the story behind sure. the Michael Jordan phenomenon and the Air I was alive in 84. I remember when everybody was obsessed with Air Jordans. Like... Like I, I when when they start playing like Mike over the end credits, I immediately knew what song that was. Like I'm, I was, I was yes. not. This was not lost on me. Um, I'm looking forward to that Dennis Rodman movie they're making right now. But like, but it leaves a bad taste because it's like, yay, the giant mega corporation that has gotten implicated in breaking child labor laws overseas or whatever. Um, they won. The giant mega corporation done good, folks. Yeah, it's like if Mad Men wasn't ironic or cynical or insightful, if it was literally just every week you were rooting for the ad guys to, like, sell the pitch, you know? We did it. We got gravy train, and everyone's like, yay! And I'm like, fuck you. Yeah, it it, it hits it hits Ugh. a little weird uh, in, in our current climate where we realize that corporations are, uh, you know, just greed machine. I'm just like, I'm not even anti-corporation. I'm just like, but get, you gotta, you, there's gotta be a story there. There's gotta be something at core that I could like really hold on to and relate to. I have to care. You have to maybe care about Sonny Vaccaro. I cared a little more. I cared a little more than Lon did. They want you to care about the shoe. It's a, the product is the star. None of the people. It doesn't care about the characters. It cares about the brand. And like, yeah. that is so fucking soulless and empty. It makes me want to curl up and die. Honestly. What did you think last uh, uh, you know we're we're about to put a pin in it but uh what what did you think about the way they portrayed Michael Jordan you mean not not showing I mean I I get it Michael Jordan it's one of those things where if you cast a guy to play Michael Jordan the moment he opens his mouth that becomes the focus we're all like how good a job did they do because we all know Michael Jordan he's so famous he's beyond famous he's like we all have in our head what that guy is like so any actor trying to be Michael Jordan, immediately that's going to be the distracting thing. Like, how good or bad a job is yeah. he doing? 
And so, right, because it's not a story about him, so there's no need to, like, stare directly yeah. into the sun, kind of. Like, leave him off camera, and we could focus on the story right. that they're telling. So I, I, I get that, but it does kind of highlight, like, you are telling the least interesting part of this story, which is, you know, if you want to talk about Michael Jordan, we're, like, we're focusing on the exact opposite of what was going on from the court. But yeah. I, I would say, to me, you, I don't think you could ever make, like, the Michael Jordan movie, and it's like a biopic, the whole life. It's too big. There's too much. You'd never, mm. you'd have to pick like a thing that happened to him or a segment of his life, you know? You'd have to zero in somehow. Like you could make it about this Bulls playoff season, or you could make it about the moment when he retired and started to be a baseball player, you know? Like, You'd have to pick your moments. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, ESPN t uh, told the story docu-style and uh, took uh, 10 hours. So, yeah. Michael Jordan is a many-splendored thing. Let me let me suggest this one to you. The team at Haynes. And they're like, do you think we could get... Do you think we can get uh, MJ to wear our uh, underpants? <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, you know... It'll be called um, Brief. It, it, from the makers of air comes Brief. Oh, I like that. Air is available on Amazon Prime. And oh, finally, finally we both, <laughs> yeah, uh, we both checked out Class of 09, Class of 09 on Hulu, uh, FX on Hulu to be uh, specific. Yes, it's a, this is one of those, right, it was produced by the FX cable network, but it streams on Hulu. Right. This is a show uh, chronicling uh, mainly two characters and some peripheral characters from the class of 09 in Quantico, Virginia at the FBI and their rise throughout the ranks and their trials and tribulations uh, in their journey. There's an interesting timeline in this show. We're in three eras. We're in 2009, which is the titular <laughs> era, uh, present day, 2023, and then 2034, I believe, is uh, the third story. And it focuses on uh, mainly two FBI recruits, Kate Mara and Brian Tyree Henry. And uh, yeah, I'm a, I didn't get to watch a ton of this. I'm intrigued, but I also feel like these, you know, it's... Uh, it's very heavy handed and a little um, not the most copacetic fit jumping from era to era. It's It definitely feels like three three stories that are only tangentially related right now in the early going. I'm only like uh, two and a half episodes in, uh, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, it's it's I think only four or five have you're not that far behind. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, it's very deliberate. I, I'm, I'm almost tempted to go slow. I think there's, there's interesting ideas happening here, but I also think that it's kind of assuming that we need more time to get used to the ideas that it's introducing, even though the ideas that it's introducing are kind of tropey already. Like, like, yeah, very familiar. Like who watches the Watchmen? Uh, what, what is too much when it comes to spying the NSA? Yeah, to give you the big, the broad strokes, AI is sort of hanging over the whole thing. It's really about, in 09, they're, they're just entering the, the FBI week, sort of meet the characters. In the present day, they're sort of just starting to use artificial intelligence to like help agents in the field. Uh, and then by the time you get into the future, AI is basically running the FBI and the agents are sort of reacting. And it's become, 
I thought very reminiscent, even too reminiscent of Minority Report, where- Yes, I thought the same thing. It's like, oh, uh, yeah, they're doing like some precog shit. Right. In Minority Report, they're using psychic kids to sort of look ahead. And in this, it's just AI is able to predict which people are going to become criminals. Absolutely. I don't think that's necessarily like you can't make this show because Spielberg made Minority Report. But I think you kind of have to acknowledge that, well, that it's not going to be a mind-blowing concept for people anymore. Like the idea that government might use predictive algorithms to then go find people to arrest before they've done the crime. You can explain that to me and I get it immediately. I'm like, okay, I'm on board. I understand what this story is about. And they treat it like it's this very abstract, high level idea they've got to introduce over the course of several episodes. And it's like, I just felt like I was way ahead of the show a lot. And I was like, oh, I get what this is. Yeah, it also reminded me a little bit of, uh, this is a, a little silly, but in the dark night when they have all of that. Well, that's the surveillance, uh, yeah. But, but it, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, what what is too much with surveillance? And that's a conversation we've been having literally yeah. over 20 years since 2000, right. since 9-11 so think- happened. So, you know, it's, I'm hoping that it adds a little, we, we advance the discourse, as you were saying, Lon, a little bit more. Is there anything new to add here? That being said, you know, I like Brian Tyree Henry a lot. Uh, th- that guy can really play anything. This is so much different. It's not like Paperboy, no. <laughs> yeah, it's not like Paperboy at all. And he's just like, he's like a stoic, powerful actor. Uh, he's got a great on-screen presence. I like Kate Mara. Kate Mara by the way, has gotten a hold of some some sort of anti-aging device. Uh, she looks essentially the same as she did in uh, frickin' uh, House of Cards. Uh, and uh, she's she's very good. Uh, uh, she's a compelling actor. I liked her in um, Hulu's Teacher from a couple of years ago, which we've, you know, not, not a great series, but uh, she's, uh, yeah, really a strong actor. Uh, but yeah, overall, it's... You know, it's a little heavy handed. It's very like, oh, like, oh, Kaleidoscope on Netflix. You know, it's kind of like I'm more distracted by the structure than the actual storytelling. It's like, okay, it's a little gimmicky. They're doing it very formal where there's always like titles that come up that are like the present, the future. You could have done it all with flashbacks. You really didn't need to do it that way. Like, like, we're used to a show yeah. that takes place in a few different timelines. You could just sort of jump around as you needed to. They very much made it like this formal, like, it's three interconnected timelines and all these interconnected characters. And it, it, it's not as complicated as they sort of seem to believe it is. Yeah. That being said, you know, I I, I, I will probably watch more of it. I, again, I like the performances. Uh, but... Um, yeah, it's it's not lighting the world on fire for me. There you go. Uh, Class of 09, available on FX on Hulu. Lon, those are all, all the things that we watch. That's it. I, I refuse to watch anything else. That's it. You know what? I'm, I'm going to press pause on the watching. Hoot Hoot Owl Nation. Uh, thank you, Travis Reeves, for producing us. Jason Kay um, composed and played and sang our opening music. And Juan Harris, tell them 
where they can find you? Yeah, uh, at L-O-N-S. That's the best place to find me on the internet. Uh, Twitter, uh, that's where I post everything I'm working on. But you can also, you can check out the Inside Streaming newsletter if you want to read more news from me every day about the world of streaming TV. That's it. Inside.com slash streaming. There you go. And you can find me at Hal Rutnick on Twitter and Instagram. Twitch.tv slash Hal Rutnick for some streaming, live streaming fun. And uh, then you can also find me on the picket oh line God. speaking wow. truth to power and saying boo And uh, if David Zaslov <laughs> walks through getting into his office at Netflix. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back uh, eventually another time with more talk on streaming. We'll talk to you then. Bye bye now. Space Boys, Space Boys.